Okay, we are uh, on to the next session here. Uh, I'm going to introduce Tom Savell from the CDC, and he's going to introduce this next panel on tokens and the Internet of Value. So, Tom, take it away. Thank you very much. You guys can hear me okay. Uh, so, again, I'm Tom Savell. I'm with the CDC down in Atlanta, and you are now in the exciting session, which is tokens and the Internet of Value, uh, you know, blending game theory, computer science, psychology, and economics. So I don't know how many of you here are roughly familiar with blockchain, but most of the thought leaders would agree that blockchain helps transform our current internet of knowledge into an internet of value. And it does that because the new technology enables what's known as the creation of a digital asset, or we might call it a token, but it allows exchange of some sort of resource, whether it is a real asset or is a virtual asset. And because of that, it opens up a whole new world that my amazing experts here in this panel can talk about. And so just to mention who we've got today, and then they're going to each have five minutes. The ground rules are, when I finish babbling, they each have five minutes to talk about their perspectives on this whole new aspect that this technology brings, and either the concerns or the benefits they see. Each one goes five minutes. And hopefully, assuming time is great, we'll have five minutes for Q&A. So our speakers, and I'm just going to briefly do a, you know, a name and title, and then they can go on and talk more details. But we have um, Catherine uh, Kumeskis, and she is the co-founder of Simply Vital Health. We have Kristen McFarland, who's the uh, founder and CEO of Patientory. We have Dr. M, who's the chief alchemist of Endercoin. And on Skype, if it's working, we have Adita Vikram Singh, who's the strategy head for IndiaCoin. So with that, I'm going to start my timer. And Chris, so I'm going to let you, let me just get started here. And it's all yours. And you can do your magic. OK, great. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, as Tom mentioned, I'm Chris McFarland, the founder and CEO of Patientory. Um, we were one of the earlier healthcare tokens. We completed a token sale last year, June 2017, where we basically created um, 1 million, 100 million P-Toys and sold 70 million, which is now currently actively publicly traded on the cryptocurrency markets. Um, and the basis for our utility token is to provide storage access as well as to create um, transactions and smart contracts that's done within our private per permissioned Ethereum base um, blockchain healthcare network. Um, where I see, you know, the future of tokenization um, and the actual value add for crypto assets in the healthcare space, um, again, is really getting on the onus of patients being able to control not only their, their data, um, their information, but also to create a marketplace where they can also control, you know, what premiums they enroll in, you know, who, the, who they see as doctors. So I believe that we are already using a, a, an infrastructure um, that's ripe for tokenization. Um, as we see 86% of employers today, they actually provide a um, system where employees um, can participate in value-based, I would say, Premium insurance plans, um, where they basically rewarded and incentivized for how engaged they are or, or how they improve their, their health. So in creating a tokenized ecosystem, 
we're able to provide much more or less a standardization for that marketplace to exist um, and to happen. And I definitely see um, you know, insurance companies as well as employers you know, being the ones who can really initiate and transform this process using crypto assets. I think I have two minutes. Yeah, you have uh, two minutes and 30 seconds if you want to talk about some of the hurdles you think we're going to have to overcome to get to this end, this new end state. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the hurdle as we see now is, is much less regulatory. We've actually broken down some of the barriers with in, in the European sense with GDPR. Um, and I think a more push for, again, consumerize, you know, ownership of information is just one step. Another step, as we all know, as we see it now, is, is the adoption and the incentivization process um, from larger companies such as insurers and payers to actually adopt this and put it into their current um, workflow systems. Um, so there, as well, we see that regulatory um, barrier as to how these insurers and payers are going to be incentivized um, to actually want to adopt a crypto asset or, or tokenized approach in rewarding um, patients for something such as you know, decreased premiums if, if they get their blood sugars down. Uh, but I definitely see this as a basis and the foundation for, for where, again, we're creating a marketplace um, which now involves the actual patient um, to be able to make those decisions. Awesome. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give you one. Does anyone have one question? We'll one give it for question? one minute. If you have one minute question. I know we're pressed for time. If not, it's not a problem at all. And we'll keep on chatting. Catherine, it's all yours. Sure. Yeah. <coughs> CEO and co-founder of Simply Vital Health. And what we do at Simply Vital Health is we've created an open source healthcare safe blockchain protocol. I'm a former hospital administrator at Yale New Haven. And when I was at Yale New Haven, I managed <coughs> clinical programs, but I also bought and sold technology and had to put all of those companies through certain tech requirements and tech specifications and security specifications. Part of that process was a survey that went very in depth on the security protocol that they use in their applications. So because of that process and because of the experience that I had being a hospital administrator, we anticipated that healthcare was going to need a blockchain protocol that was safely adoptable. So we created HealthNexus, which is an open source, public permission blockchain protocol. Open source meaning anyone can use it. If you're familiar with Ethereum, it's very similar. It's actually a fork of Ethereum, and you can create your own decentralized applications on top of HealthNexus. So as a company, obviously, because we created a blockchain protocol, the token or the, or the cryptocurrency is really important because it helps to power the system. You may have heard of smart contracts. Smart contracts are important because they help to power, or they help to, you can actually use a smart contract for um, any sort of uh, contractual agreement or arrangement between two parties or multiple parties. Um, but in order to power that, in order to make it secure, in order to make it immutable and auditable, you do have to have some sort of power for that system. And so we obviously see cryptocurrencies as the power of the system. But then you can also see tokens as the next layer in terms of an application layer. So how can your tokens be used in application? So as Krista mentioned, you can use it in terms of incentivizing patients for lowering their A1C if they're diabetic. Um, there are also really cool ways to use tokens on a larger scale. 
we see a really strong opportunity for health information exchanges and actually creating a fully autonomous and self-sustaining health information exchange using blockchain technology and tokens. Now, before you get way too excited, we are not close to that yet, <laughs> talking about barriers. Um, but in this health information exchange, what you can do is you can align all of the parties and the two main ways why health, most health information exchanges have failed to date, which is uh, a lack of trust and no business incentive. And what I mean by trust is we've actually had conversations with hospitals. Um, a large health system in Louisiana is creating a, a CIN or a clinically integrated network with small mom and pop physicians. And the mom and pop physicians are actually really nervous about giving their data <coughs> to the hospital because they don't know what they're going to do with that data. There's a lot of market share data, there's a lot of business intelligence data, and most hospitals actually take patients from smaller physicians. So there's really an issue of trust. Um, but if you actually knew how they were using this data, you could de-identify it, you could blind certain levels of the data, which you can do as zero-knowledge proofs. There's much more alignment in using this data collectively as an ecosystem. Um, the other side of it is there are lots of applications and startup companies like we have a proprietary software that connects clinicians from different clinical affiliations and gives them the same data on their shared patients. We could serve in that ecosystem as a way to work with other physicians and other hospitals in this self-sustaining, fully autonomous health information exchange. Now, the token can help power the system. It can power the smart contracts because one thing that happens in health information exchanges, we're in Boston, there's a large health system that is notorious for not sharing data. I will not mention it. Um, but with a smart contract, you can actually automatically identify on-chain who's not participating in the health information exchange. And then you can have off-chain governance or human governance to be able to identify whether or not they continue to participate in the health information exchange. And then, so that's at the, that's at the power level, the smart contract level. At the application level, you can actually use a token to incentivize the movement of healthcare data. So if I'm a physician, and I, I have de-identified data and my patients have consented in and I'd like to offer that data up for research and development, I can do that and I can get a token for that in terms of some sort of business incentive and business incentive alignment. So we actually see a future where health information exchanges can thrive by using cryptocurrencies, tokens, and blockchain technology. Awesome, thank you, perfect. All right, Dr. M, you're up. Yes, uh, thank you. So first of all, I would like to express my admiration uh, for my co-panelists for the work they are doing, really. Uh, you are a dream fulfilled. Um, I wished I could have done that, but blockchain was not around when I was uh, your age. So, uh, but without further ado, I'd like to add to what was saying, uh, said here, that uh, we are departing from uh, an entrenched, um, I think, area, an entrenched domain with very, very, very fixed ways of doing things. And this is where I see that the, the power of tokenization, the new economics, the tokenomics, uh, what blockchain offers to disintermediate, to empower the edge, uh, is uh, actually very helpful because uh, I come at it not from the medical side, but from the patient side. So I want to build, or I and as well, I'm a computer scientist, but I also want to support the building of technologies that are empowering the patient. And uh, how can we do that? This morning on a panel, I heard about, okay, we're gonna throw all the data 
to the patient. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with all this data? Do I know to manage it? How am I going to cope with that? I don't want to deal with all this headache. So um, imagine that uh, if you are in charge with the data, you know, wherever that is, we would need the systems which you are creating in order to manage it. So that the patient is only offered with what is relevant in the context of a question. So uh, let me uh, debunk this. What I mean is the granularity that tokenization and the blockchain are enabling. So if you would allow me to, to uh, uh, go a bit more into the future, and if you can imagine that, let's say, when you interact with a doctor, you do not have to be at the doctor, you have a question, maybe it's not so bad, but you're not sure. Rather than paying per visit or per hour, you pay per question. So this is actually what blockchain and the uh, tokenomics of blockchain is enabling. Um, I, I can give uh, uh, several examples from Endor, which is a predictive analytics company. We actually are using uh, blockchain to incentivize participation, very much like my co-panelists mentioned. But uh, we go one step further. So the parallel would be if you imagine, you know Google, yes? Everybody knows it. So um, Google enables all of us to use everything for free, but they have an economic model. Now, the only chance for a predictive analytics company, for a big data company, and uh, healthcare is a big data industry, uh, which we unfortunately don't regard as such, and, and we do not reap all the, all the rewards. But the only chance for a big data company nowadays is to play with the big giants. So they would buy the whole engine, they would use it in a way or another. So we as patients would not access the power of such a, a powerful system. However, if we would enable the patients to access the system just using tokens and pay just like, I don't know how many of you are used to video games, if I want to use the, to play for 15 minutes, I paste a certain number of tokens. So that is probably the, the easiest parallel to, to get our heads around this new model. So I am only paying for the question which I am answering, for one question. Uh, this enables also the addition of new businesses to the system. So. Uh, let's say a specialist or a researcher in a certain disease can add uh, new diagnosis or new answers to other questions for the system. So it is also incentivized in the same way with the tokens. And we can go further and further. Um, you mentioned, I think, or maybe I was just listening, I wanted to hear that, that you incentivize patients to give their data for research. At least this is what we are doing at MIT. And there is an MIT startup. We have a project in which we incentivize people to offer their data. Of course, for diseases like was mentioned here, yes, psychological diseases and so on, patients don't really want to share the data. We incentivize them and reward them in this way. And um, I, think, I think we're about, we have, that's about the five. The last oh, thing <laughs> I want to really say. Really quick, about 10 seconds more. 10 seconds. Uh, so Lifelink is a company which I'm advising. We are doing chatbots for healthcare, and we engage patients. This is also another way in which we can okay. uh, 
Great. Uh, Thank you very much. Rewards them through smart contracts. Thank you. Okay, so is he, do we have our, our last uh, member, is he on Skype? Or did he not, does anyone know? We should, didn't make it? Okay, so we'll just let me just confirm in case he is on. So no Skype, no Skype? Okay. So we would have, uh, our fourth speaker, I guess, from India Coin, uh, I guess won't be joining us, and I apologize for that. Um, so which gives us just a, what we'll do is let's take a few questions, let's see, if, and then at this point we may be able to talk about a few other quick issues. So again, this is a huge issue, this whole concept of tokens, value exchange. Any questions or concerns you all have, because I do have some great questions, but I'd love if you had a couple you want to start with that are confusing or challenging for you all. Any questions or issues around this? Or just confusion. Yes, way in the back. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll walk up to you. Um, there's a lot of talk about incentivizing patients to share data, and I'm wondering how that is fundamentally different than just paying them in dollars by using tokens. Okay, great. So why don't we give it like, we'll do like one minute for each, just a quick quick answer, and then we'll, we'll keep on chugging. Yes, uh, no, I mean, it, of course, tokens are equivalent in dollars if at least today, yes, uh, 20 years from now, we do not know. That I talk about on other panels. But um, uh, it is not different. The only thing that you can keep track, if the patient donated or not the data, it is much easier to know with a tag on the blockchain. And then you also can keep track if the patient was paid and rewarded. So it is about that handshake, the smart contract, which works better on blockchain than in any other way. But I completely agree with you uh, from the, the perspective of uh, uh, you can pay them in dollars or in yen, in whatever the patient is, it doesn't matter. The important is to incentivize and reward and make sure that that reward was done properly. And if they give more data than others, they will get more. Mm -hmm. But it is automatic and it goes like a seamless. Yeah, so in the health nexus, we have what's called a key pair system. And the whole purpose of the key pair system is to govern access to data. But the biggest differentiator, which you've already said, is the ability to track where that data goes. And if you were in this, the debate earlier, Dr. John Halamka mentioned this as well. It's the audit trail that comes from this token. And that's really important because there's a lot of data, licensing of data that goes on. Your data is being sold and you're not benefiting from it. I know this because I've analyzed probably your data when I was working at Yale, so thank you. <laughs> Grew our market share with that. But companies like Pfizer spend $12 million each year by buying de-identified healthcare data. If there's a way to be able to have this trackable using a token instead of dollars or fiat, as we call it, then it's, it's a better system in order to track it over time. Yes. So absolutely. And I'll say, you know, with, within our ecosystem, within Ptoynet, again, it, it's that infrastructure, it's that tokenized blockchain network where you're, you're not only, you know, <laughs> securely being able to store that data, but you're able to track the data provenance um, as well. And with that crypto asset, you're able to, to basically tie that business model to that infrastructure. And if I could just follow up there, I completely understand the use cases from smart contracts and tracking provenance of data. But where I get hung up is why it's necessary to have an individual token for these community yes. And instead, using something like a stable coin, the likes of what Coinbase can put out. So I think it's a barrier to adoption that I regular the patients to understand the product individual tokens. And if you're using fiat or you know, a digital version of fiat, like a stable coin, we might see you know, more adoption within these systems that you're designing. So why is it necessary for you to use your own token? 
So I'll jump in there. So we created a, what we call a healthcare safe blockchain protocol for the very reason because I worked at a hospital and we asked people what your technology is based on. If you're using an Ethereum based application, you're actually going to have to tell the hospital administrator that you don't know where those servers sit. And that server could actually sit in North Korea, which is a total non-starter. And I know because I've had those conversations. And it doesn't actually mean that the healthcare data sits in that server. It just means that it's helping to power that network and it provides a little bit of kind of like a nervousness around using your system. So for us, the cryptocurrency is really important because it actually powers the whole system. Um, but the other side of it, stepping away from the Health Nexus protocol, is the best applications that are actually going to thrive and survive long term are those that create a user interface where it's really easy to interact and co-interact with tokens and interoperate with tokens and the user actually doesn't even know. And so it's really, they shouldn't have to deal with complicated keys. It should be as easy as Coinbase is and as adoptable mm -hmm. as Coinbase is. Uh, Chris, you want to Yeah, I was definitely going to summarize minute, that, you know, and looking at, you know, I understand where you come from, stablecoin, Ethereum, but looking at the healthcare sense, you know, a lot of it surrounds privacy and data security. So you're going to see these private um, networks emerge that has addressed, you know, whether it's high trust, which we're going through certification right now, or just HIPAA. And then, and then you look at the global, um, regulations in each country, it's going to be different um, for each. So having a, a coin that can really address, you know, the different global standards of, of data regulation and, and how that coin or asset is accessing the data is going to be really important. And as Kat mentioned, you know, we're really at the early stages of, of building these applications that essentially needs to have mass adoption um, and is user experience friendly um, to be able to really see the uptake and usage of that. Great. And just one quick closing comment for everyone. Keep in mind, again, you have these public blockchains and then you have private or consortium blockchains and both of those can have token exchanges mm -hmm. for the ecosystem. So it doesn't mean if it's a token, it's got to be public. So at CDC, we're doing a quick proof of concept and we're using a token also because it can be a proxy even for tracking metrics. Yes. Everything has value. So in any case, I think we're basically we're on time at this point, correct? Yes. Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you found it interesting. Thank you to our awesome panelists. You guys enjoy your next session. Thank you.